it's a funny day out today. It's a funny day in the neighborhood. Thank you, Lord. But God can't get God. Nothing catches God like it catches us. God's created all things. He knows the end from the beginning. As we were singing that final song, when we stand in glory, we shall see his face. That song usually touches me pretty good. And then as I was meditating and thinking and preparing of what and how to share it today, things used to culminate in my mind. But the scripture came to me that the, the Bible talks about that the suffering of this present age. Do you know where that scripture is offhand? Excuse me. 2 Corinthians 4. Let's turn to that. I want to read that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And where is it? Excuse me. Is not there. All right. Well, I want to be exact one, so we're not going to use that. Um, but the Bible, and I was trying to look for it when I spilled the Bible up here. Uh, but the Bible talks about, Paul says, the suffering of this present age is not worthy to be compared to the glory to come. And when, you know, I think when, whenever I sing that psalm, it usually comes to mind that when we stand before him in glory, the Bible talks about in, in Jesus is going to wipe away all our tears. There's going to come a time that those things are not going to be remembered. And all the trials and tribulations and things that we think are of so unbearable weight right now, I think in a moment will be dissolved. And when we see Him, we'll be like Him. And we're going to stand with Him in glory. But that's not where we are now. See, we're there by faith. And I believe the Word of God, as we've been talking about, is really written to sinful mankind. Romans I'm going to read it now. Romans 8.18. Now, the reason I did this is to show you how poor you are at knowing your Bible. What a shame that is. <clears throat> has nothing to do with me not knowing where it is, but you should have known where it was. Romans 8.18. Hallelujah. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. There is a glory that is being revealed in the children of God. The Bible talks about that over and over, the manifestation of the sons of God, the inheritance of the sons of God, and the glory which is to be revealed in us. Jesus Christ is the hope of glory. The church is the glory of the Lord. But the Bible also says now we see through a glass dimly. It's kind of like we understand some of these things, and by faith we apprehend them. And here in this life, and really in, 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 in all eternity, faith will continue to operate. But here in this life, we are people that the Holy Spirit has touched. He's birthed in us His resurrection. And now by faith we apprehend some things. We don't always see them. But for that faith then needs to begin to motivate or to order my life towards God's purpose. Now, as I was thinking about that, 
It was a word that came in one of the meetings, not, not like a pro- prophetic word, and it was assimilation. And um, the Bible talks about us in, well, it actually talks about us in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, I believe, but in Second Peter, let's open our Bibles to Second Peter. Let's open our Bibles to First Peter. Yes, First Peter, chapter two, verse nine. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. The Bible talks about that we are a chosen people. makes it very clear that we have not chosen Him. He has chosen us. And then it says we're, we're sealed or marked with the Holy Spirit, kept unto that last day. But we're a peculiar people that should show forth the God's glory and to show forth God's praises. The children of Israel, were, that, that scripture really was given to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy. God's purpose has not changed. Again, sometimes we think like there was a mean God and a bad God in the Old Testament, but Jesus came and kind of like, not like that at all. God's purpose has always been from eternity, before the world was done, going to continue unchanging. His love is unchanging. He is unchanging. There's no shadow of turning within Him. We just live in this thing called time, and because we have a body and emotions, we see things not always clearly. But this word is a light unto my path. And as I look at life, through this word, I have to say, oh, that is the truth. See, I might see other things. Has anybody, like, ever been scared of something, like, in your bedroom, especially maybe when you were a kid, because a shadow cast it? A di- or, <laughs> well, you, it wasn't really a monster. or You just saw it incorrectly because the light was shining in such a way. And many times, we don't see things correctly either because we don't have complete light. We see, oh, man. And at one point, we think it's this, but then as we get close, we, it changes. So the Bible actually says, and also to us, says we only know in part. But the faith that we have in Jesus Christ keeps us. We have a hope. And that hope then, according to this, makes us a peculiar people. Now that word assimilation, pretty interesting word. And it's what happened to the children of Israel. In order to stay a peculiar people, you have to do certain things. And the people who are not peculiar people will see no value in those things that you do, no purpose in that. They will almost see it as a matter of fact that you need to stop that. They don't like that because it's different, it's unusual. And the children of Israel were given things by God to keep them a separate, peculiar people selected by God to fulfill his purpose. But what happened to the children of Israel was what? They slowly became assimilated. Now, assimilated means like you're just absorbed into something greater or something bigger or something different. And you begin to forget that who we really are. Now, I believe as God's peculiar people, there is things that we must practice in order to keep our identity secure. 
And that we get our identity from the Word of God, and as the Holy Spirit illuminates that through the church to keep those things happening. But again, like I said, it's that's something you have to actually strive to do. See, I'll just use examples that maybe we can try to relate to. This word was, a, was kind of a bad word in eastern Turkey to be assimilated because they were Kurdish there. And to remain Kurdish, you actually had to practice Kurdish customs, which were many times against the law, many times were harder to do because they weren't taught. And if you did them, you stuck out. See, in order to not be assimilated is more work than to be assimilated. So, and, and I have to actually strive to do that. So we'd have, see, we'd have to then actually do, actually do twice as much. See, like the children of Israel. Now, they were in the world, and they were amongst other nations. They had to deal with those other nations. Now, maybe their first language was Hebrew. But the nations that they were with, they didn't know Hebrew. So what did the children of Israel have to do? The children of Israel had to learn another language. They had to learn how to do business with these people, but yet not become like them. So they not only had to learn their own identity, but they also then had to learn other identities and then keep them separate. Now, are you following that? The same way we are in the world, but not of the world. See, wouldn't it be nice, and sometimes we get this idea, wouldn't it be nice if we just weren't in the world, we'd all kind of have it just sit around. God doesn't do it like that. And so we now then have to press in, actually, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent must take it by force. And assimilation is so easy, do you know why? Because you don't have to do anything to be assimilated. You already are. But in order to be God's peculiar people, there is things that I must put value on that God says that's valuable. I will press into that. I will do that. I will not do this. I will do that. And slowly, slowly, see, assimilation comes in. How many people remember the old pirate movies? They'd bury the guy at high tide mark up to his neck. Did you ever see that one? Blackbeard. And uh, it takes a while for the tide to come in. The water's quite a ways away, and slowly, slowly, he couldn't back up. The water's slapping on his face. Then one wave goes over his head, and he holds his breath. But that's the same way assimilation works in us. See, first it's, well, I don't want to, that's not, you know, why do we have to do that? It's just, there's a lot of work. And that's why the Bible says a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. You know what happens? High tide comes in and you're drowned. And you really, you didn't have to do anything. In order not to be drowned by high tide, you have to do something. So we have this tremendous impact. Now, the, 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 Jesus makes it very clear. The world will hate you. See, we are not of the world. Jesus is not of the world. And the world is trying to, like this amoeba. You know how amoebas eat? They just assimilate around what they've got and they digest it. Now, the world is continually doing that. And in order not to be assimilated by an amoeba, you have to do some certain things. Just like the Lord Jesus Christ. They wanted to make him king. They wanted him to do this. They wanted him, had to refuse to do that to fulfill God's purpose. Now, I believe in our hearts, see, the Bible says where there is no vision, the people begin to cast off restraint. They just don't see a purpose in it. I just, man, I, you know, 
know, wouldn't it just be easier just to, I don't want to learn that custom and this custom. I don't want to be different. I don't want, because the thing is, when you're different, you're also known. And that's where the attack is going to come to. Now, as I'm, I'm, I'm just somewhat here speaking. I believe in the times to come. We're living in demon-possessed times, very hard times to come, but I think even now so more than ever before. We're going to see time, probably in our lifetime, next 30, 40 years for sure, I believe. We're going to see persecution come upon the church and upon our children and our grandchildren that uh, we will think, oh, well, that would never happen. Well, it will happen because you will be an enemy to this world system. Say, well, what's wrong with speaking Kurdish? You don't do that. You must be assimilated. What's wrong with And pretty soon it's just easier not to do those things and go along with the program. Wouldn't it be nice to just go along with the program instead of be thrown to the, to the lions? Well, sure. Wouldn't it have been a lot easier to go along with the program, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, than to cause a scene and be thrown into the fiery furnace? Wouldn't it have been easier to? Yes, but we're not called to easy. See, again, to be a peculiar people is a work that I must do. Now, as I was thinking on these things, kind of spending some time, you know, and just kind of trying to imagine the Lord speaking with the Lord, and... Uh, I said, you know, wouldn't it be nice if you could just sit here for a few seconds and we could have a face-to-face -face talk? And then my mind began to wander on those things. And then I began to realize that God loves us. Now, I know we know that, but we many times we only know things from, we can only know things from a human perspective unless there's like a revelation beyond us. So most of the time we like, we, we, analyze things or deal with things only from my perspective. So when I say love, it's kind of like, oh man, it's kind of like this hard thing and you know, it's kind of like something I don't necessarily want to do because it means, but God doesn't think like that. See, you know, the Bible says, no greater love has any man than this, than he lays down his life for a friend. Now when I hear that, first off, it sounds very honorable, but I also hear like, ooh, man, I don't want to really do that. That would be really hard. For God, it's not hard. See, God didn't have to save me. See, sometimes we feel like we have to love one another. We have to learn another language. We have to do these things. But that's not the way God sees it. God saved me. God saved us because He wanted to. It wasn't a sacrifice for God to do that. See, for us, it's a sacrifice. But from God's perspective... God doesn't sacrifice. As a matter of fact, there is no sacrifice, as far as I understand, in the Word of God until sin enters into the world. And so here, Adam and, for Adam and Eve to serve God wasn't a sacrifice. They're actually doing all the same things that they were going to do after sin, but after sin it becomes a sacrifice for who? For man, not for God. So when God saved us, it's not like, oh man, they sinned. I guess I got to go save them. God loves us because He is love. He doesn't look and go, man, got to help them again. It's because He wants to. The love of God proceeds from Him because He is love and there is no sacrifice for God. But for us, 
there is a sacrifice. And that's where that's where the nature of God really is produced in us. When we see that there must be a sacrifice, it's illuminating those areas of rebellion and sin in our life that are not like God. Because God doesn't have to sacrifice. See, God doesn't have to say, I mean, I guess I've got to serve the church. Well, I guess I... But when the Holy... See, we've been birthed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit renews us. And then the Word of God comes and then... I have to do something. Now, let's turn our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 27. So, from God's perspective, there is no sacrifice. God is who He is. He loves continually. It's not like He has to think about loving us. He saved us, not because He had to, but because that's who He is. But while we are in this body, this body becomes, or should become, according to the Word of God, what? A living sacrifice. What then do I sacrifice? Well, I sacrifice with this body. Now, we're going to have to see. See, my spirit is born again. See, we have the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord meaning He is Jehovah. Jesus being that unique person, if I can use that word, that was the God and man. He had a body but He was God, and Christ being the Holy Spirit living in Him. In the days of His temptation, the Bible says. When was that? Well, it wasn't when He was God, because God is never tempted. And Christ, who is the Holy Spirit, cannot be tempted. In the days of His temptation meant His body. In the days of His body, what was being tempted? His body was being tempted to have to sacrifice this body. He had, see, God is not tempted by evil. But when Jesus was here upon this earth, He was tempted in all points like as we are. He was tempted not to become a peculiar person, but keep His body for Himself and not sacrifice. And these are the things that we are hit with. Because the Spirit of God that's in us, the Christ that's in us, hears the Word of God, but then there's a temptation to do this and to do that. And I believe then as we obey the Word of God through loving Him. Now see again, love for me is something that I have to choose. It has become a sacrifice. See, beforehand it wasn't a sacrifice. Adam and Eve would just have a relationship with God. After sin, obedience, love became something I had to like bring my body, bring my mind to do. And as we hear those things, the actions that my body does actually will influence my spirit. Now we kind of think, we kind of like to think backwards. We think, oh, the spirit does this and then. No. The Bible actually says first it's the physical, then the spiritual. 
First it's the carnal or the temporal, then the eternal. We think, oh, well, if my spirit is in tune, everything... No. Evil actions with your body will corrupt your spirit. A little laziness. Ah, eh, you know what? I don't like this beard. I think I'll shave it off. Yeah, eh, you know what? It's, I know it's the Sabbath, but I got some things to do. I, you know what? I'm just not going to, uh, uh, you know, just in my case, I'm just not going to Armenian school to learn Armenian. He goes, what's the point anyway? Well, you know what? I just don't see what the big deal... Goodness, and pretty soon, what I choose not to sacrifice with this body affects my spirit. And no longer am I a peculiar person. I have become assimilated by not sacrificing the body. Are you following that? I know this is a little bit abstract, but I believe it's important. Because now, as we come to this in, in Proverbs chapter 27, we read this A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but a simple man passes on and is punished. Now, when we read that, we go, well, yeah, okay, that would be pretty easy. Well, then why... Why don't we see evil so many times? See, why... Because this work, the world that's upon us is presenting something else. And because we're not... Turn our Bibles to Hebrews. I'm going to read these scriptures. We're not just going to talk about it. Hebrews chapter 4. So the word is becoming prudent to discern what is evil and what is not. Now, why doesn't that happen most of the time? See, why then sometimes when things come up, we react. Instead of God just... See, God doesn't react. He said, I need to save those. I saved those people. I love those people. Jesus... We'll read it, hopefully. But it says in Psalms chapter 40, verse 8, Jesus speaking prophetically of the Lord Jesus Christ, I delight to do your will. And a matter of fact, he says, a body you have made me. A body you have made me. So that with this body, I can demonstrate what it is to serve God. And I delight to do your will. Now that delight, he, was, he said in John, he prayed, he said, Father, restore the glory in the relationship that we had before the foundations of the earth. He says, I have. He had already had that. But here on this earth, he relinquished that, not relationship, because the relationship was there, but the reality or the grasping of that relationship, where now he had the Christ in him, but this body was pulling him with all its emotions and desires. And he said, but I delight, because it was the Spirit of God in him, just as God the Father would say, I delight to save you. I delight to do your will. And that delight, that love would then cause his body to do walk in a certain way. Now, Hebrews chapter 5. And many times, the simple, those who have not become prudent, cannot discern between evil and good. They cannot, they're being assimilated. Well, I don't see what the difference is. I don't see it because we're, the life that Christ has given us has not been perfected in us, and we don't love the Father as He loved the Father. And these things that come against our body many times move us. And the problem in this world is the things that are seen and the things that we feel we give a lot more credence to than faith. Because the, there it is. See, that's assimilation. Here we have, all of us know 
that thy word is truth. It's the true thing. But when I'm pressed over here, my body says, I want to eat the tree. I want to kill my brother. I don't want to do this. I don't. But the love of God says, Father, I serve you. I'm a peculiar person. See, that battle is supposed to go on between the spirit and the flesh. That is an evident token of the Holy Spirit working in us. There should be a division that says, I'm practicing this. Even though I'm in the world now, I keep my culture, my identity here, and I'm moving in this way. Now, that does not happen automatically. Just because I was born in an Armenian home did not mean, and it's always bothered me, I always thought that I should be able to speak Armenian pretty good because I'm Armenian. Well, I never totally learned it as a child, mostly because of my rebellion. And, but see, I thought, well, I should be able to speak that. Well, you know what? I didn't. I had to learn that. And it's something that if I don't learn it, guess what? I don't care who I am, I'm never going to learn it. I mean, I am 100% Armenian. Now, that doesn't relate to many people here. It doesn't relate to many people in the world. I think there's 7 million of them. And you would think, my goodness, well, that's, you can't speak it very well. No, because I, I, I was assimilated into something else. Now, not that there's any righteousness in that, but I'm giving only as an example. See, we've been born into the kingdom. You have 100% forgiveness, but that doesn't mean you're walking in anything. That doesn't mean you know anything. That means that God has chosen you, but now he's saying, present your body. Oh, presenting your body means going to, you know, Armenian schools, or doing this, or learning how to do this, and being different here. And, bring, and you know what the world says? Man, that's stupid. Man, that's silly. You mean you can't do this? You can't do that? And the love of God would have to grab hold of us, and we would have to become a peculiar people. Now, these things must be then learned. Okay? It, while we are here in this world, the Bible calls us the light of the world, the salt of the earth. There should be something that is like, for lack of a better word, irritating. Salt can be an irritating thing. You put it on a cut, it's very healing. If you have a cut, a sore, 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 sore. Put, put salt on it. Immediately, God, very healing, preserves things, but ah, it's smart. There should always be, and the Bible says, let your speech always be salted with salt. Little, ooh. Not, hey man, they dude, yeah, what good, what we're proving. See, I think when Jesus spoke, I don't think he would have to really like speak too much. Woman at the well. He wasn't saying weird words, but his culture was in such that and it's kind of funny the way he's speaking to me. I think he's, there's something there. But see, if we're not aware of who we are, my speech changes. My idea of who I am changes. And pretty soon the language that I should be speaking, I forget because I have to work at that language because not everybody speaks it. And I start picking up other things. So it's something that has to be learned. And that comes by imitating the love of God that we have been given. Okay, now that's going to take for you and me as people, what the, the word we don't like, 
is sacrifice. This is where, but the Christ in us, he doesn't sacrifice. Our bodies must be given as a living sacrifice. See, the Bible says we've been given a new spirit that says sometimes in worship you feel and say, oh man, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Father. Oh, I know I'm forgiven. See, our spirits are born again. And then maybe in the next second or two, thought comes in and, man, I'm just tired. I don't want to be here. That's the body. That needs to be brought along. Are you following that? Okay, so you've got these two entities. And my spirit saved until that day, but we're waiting for something. The Bible makes it very clear that we're waiting for something. Do you know what we're waiting for? We're, we're waiting for the manifestation, but we're all, then how's that going to come? We're, re, we're waiting for the, say it loud, the redemption of our body. There's going to come a time that we're going to have a new body, and I believe at that time, it's probably not going to give us all the hard time that we have right now. When Jesus got a new body, he didn't need to use doors. Didn't have to do a lot of other things. He could float around, do all kinds of things. Didn't have any more temptation in, in the flesh. But right now, guess what? We ain't there. We're waiting for the redemption. See, again, we like to pretend that we are who we're not. Oh, well, we're all saved and we're all doing well. You, that doesn't ever say that. If you ever read the Bible, even the New Testament, the Corinthian church, they're all saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, have gifts coming out their ears, and guess what? They forgot to sacrifice their body. And sometimes we're like, oh, well, we're all just one. And we're all... Those things are truths in the Spirit of God. But in order for us in this world to shine as a light in this world, there needs to be a physical sacrifice of some things. That then has to be taught and learned and practiced. That's why it says that the prudent man will see evil coming. Now, I tell you, most of the time, most Christians have been assimilated. We are good, we're Christian people, washed in the blood, but I couldn't speak a word of Kurdish. I couldn't speak a word of a dance. I don't know. But I know some people in Kurdish, we could, bend, we could do the Shamami, and they didn't even know it. You don't even know what the Shamami is. It's a Kurdish dance. They, they, was, they, didn't, they didn't know it. So we were able to make them feel ashamed. No. There's things that we have to, in order to fulfill God's purpose, have to practice. Now, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. For when the time ye ought to be teachers... Now, I think this is a pretty powerful verse here. In the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracle of God, and are become such as need of milk and not of strong meat. So there's a, there's a reproof going on here. You ought to be peculiar people. You ought to be teaching these things. You ought to know these things but you're not. You need to be taught them again. And if you want to have to be, have a, basically, if you want to have a strong relationship with God, if you want God to have a relationship with you, see now, sometimes we look at like having little baby children, and they're really cute because first of it requires very little from you. Some goo-goos and some gagas and some tickles there, and everything's just happy. And we kind of expect that relationship with God, don't we? But that's not what he's wanting from us. That's a very that, that's a non-relationship relationship. He's saying if you, if you don't have that, you got to go back and have the milk of the word, baby. Okay, a little giddy, but strong meat where God can actually speak to you. 
and talk to you and put his burden on you. And then you have, there's something else that needs to take place. There's a time now that he's saying you should be able to discern some things. You should be able to, but you're not. Why are you not able to do these things? Now, if we're going to find out with the Lord Jesus Christ, he chose to learn this. Now, we'll look at that. I'll move along here. For everyone that, that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. He is a babe. Now, if you live in a society of babes, you might look pretty strong. But see, we said, uses the milk is unskillful in the word. And sometimes we stay, and if you, if you read, uh, where is that? I think it's the next one. He says we, we ought to leave some of these things and move on. Well, there it is in verse 6. Leaving these principles. Oh, well, you know, I'm saved. And I, there comes a time that, you know what? This is who we are. Let's be strong soldiers. There's some things we ought to practice so we can, like, start moving on. See? See, it'd be like if your kid always stays a little child. Can you hand me the hammer? You expect to have a relationship to where it says, that was nice for then but I expect now to have a relationship with you. Just like the Father would have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not whining, oh man, I wish I was back in heaven. I mean, he understood God's purpose and he delighted to do the will of God. But strong meat, or this relationship, this where God is able to speak to you, He's able to move in your life, comes by a certain way. Belongs to them who are of full age, even to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, that, that word senses is kind of a funny word. It's almost like in, in the Hebrew, it's almost like you have a special organ. Not like a conscience, but a special place that you, it's exercised to discern good and evil. Now, again, how are you going to learn the difference between good and evil? By exercising to it. Now that, for the most part, I think people do not do because there is where a sacrifice comes in. Now see, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel both understood the value of uh, sacrifice. Abel, for whatever reason, offered up a right sacrifice. Cain did not offer up a right sacrifice. And whether he knew it or not beforehand, which I believe he probably did, but regardless, God spoke to him and said, don't do this, make the right sacrifice. If you don't, sin is... Learning something, learning the divide between good and evil means that you are taught that. Now, just because you are taught that does not mean you learn it, does not mean you grasp it, because God spoke to Cain. God spoke to Cain. And you know what God, Cain did? Didn't want to have it. He didn't want to have his senses exercised. He didn't want to sacrifice his idea. He wanted to do what he wanted to do because he felt it was right. And he killed his brother. Simply because you're hearing truth, you're hearing correction, you're hearing wisdom, it does not mean you're doing it. Those that have their discern between good and evil is those who practice it by reason of use. Oh, you mean I offer another sacrifice? Okay, I'll offer another sacrifice. Oh, you mean I have to cut? I'll do that. And by reason of use, and just like we see little children, they start by reason of use, they start learning some stuff. 
For us, then, it's the same way. God now is speaking to us, saying, by reason of youth, you're going to have your senses or this discernment working to know that's evil, that's good. Now, those that have not and never exercised that will never be a peculiar people, and they never quite get that working in their life. First Timothy chapter 4. Same concept here working. I believe then we are people that really do not really value God's Word or practice it enough as He says it. We look at it from our perspective and we go, oh yeah, well that's okay and that's okay. But it's by reason of use that we start becoming discerning and we start becoming these the manifestation of the fullness that God has for us. There comes a time that says, you know what? I choose to do that. I'm going to give myself to that. I, I know the world sees no value in it. I know that, but I'm going to give myself because that's what God has for me. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. But refuse profane and old wise fables and, and exercise yourself rather to godliness. Now, what, what, what happens? There's some things that I need to refuse. Now, all, we would think, old wise tales, come on, who's going to listen to that? Well, the Bible has another thing that says, beware of sciences so-called. They're not true sciences. They're things that are sweeping the earth, speaking as truth, but they are not truth, and we are overtaken by them. And I think particularly much more in this age, we are inundated with all kinds of information that would masquerade itself as truth or facts. It says, don't give place to those things. Now again, as Hebrews living in an Arab society, we're going to know Arabic. We're going to know how to do that, but I will not. See, now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were living in an Arab society. It wasn't Muslim at that time, however. But they knew they were Hebrew. And even though they were part of that culture, they would not submit to that culture. They said, we won't eat that. We'd like to do this. We won't bow to that. They understood who they were. Well, the king says, well, you know what they're saying about global, and they're saying, I'm not interested in anything like that. I know what my God has said. Well, you're an idiot. You're crazy. Well, that's what they said about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what they said about the early church. And that's what they're going to say when God comes out of the sky one day. And they're going to say, we don't want you to rule over us. But we're that peculiar people by faith. We're here to glorify God. And there's certain things that we are to exercise. See, again, I have to exercise. Now, see, guess what happens if you don't exercise? You don't get anything. See, we think, oh, I'm a child of God. means absolutely nothing. Okay, we have some wonderful little grandchildren right now. Oh, they're wonderful little children. Just leave them alone. My God, you think, wow, how terrible. But in the king, oh, I'm just a child of God. You need to exercise. You, and I need, and then when I exercise myself to what? Godliness. See, now, I don't have to exercise to eat pizza. See, pe eating pizza is not an... Oh, some people say, man, I'm really exercising. No, that's not exercising. What I need to do is exercise. Exercise usually involves some... It, it implies sweat. It implies suffering. It implies doing something that you're going to get again for the suffering you have now. That's why the Bible says, for the sufferings, the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared to the glory to come. Yes, I'm going to the... Why are you running? Well, I've got some... I'm not running for now. I'm running for later. 
because I know I'm going to look pretty good and I'm going to be this and a Well, the same thing. We must exercise ourselves to godliness. Well, what's godly? Right here. Oh, wow. Well, maybe I should... Uh, now, those that do not exercise are not mature. They are not strong. They are not able to discern by reason of use because they are not using it. We are to exercise ourselves to godliness. This is something I said. Okay, here's the... See how many people they, nowadays you, you, you get... You know, you, they give you the... Uh, you know, how many push-ups you're supposed to do. They, got, they give you the book on what to do. Well, here it is. Oh, well, no, I don't really... Well, then you're going to remain a babe and you're going to become like that foolish man that doesn't recognize evil. Oh, I'll recognize evil. No, you won't. The Bible says I, the only way I recognize good and evil is to exercise my senses by the Word of God and the training to say, well, that's evil, that's good. Because now, you I mean, not just in the world, here in the church. Oh, man, I just feel this. Where'd you get that idea? Well, I just got it myself. You don't get ideas by yourself. See, now, remember Adam and Eve. They got this wonderful idea by themselves. We were naked. And what did God say to them? Boy, you are so smart. No, no. You have figured that out. He said, no. What did he say? Very important. Who told you that? Somebody is telling you something. You don't get a whole lot, maybe in nothing, on your own. Most of the things that we do in this world, we have learned. And if you're learning something that you haven't been taught from here, well, see, I know where... To... Who told you you were naked? Now, they were naked, but God never wanted them to know that. Not in that sense. I mean, I think they knew they were naked, but not in the sense of... Well, they were exercising in an ungodly way. See, they were taking knowledge apart from God and saying, I can figure this out myself. I cannot figure it out myself. I can figure it out myself. I'll be like Cain. If I can figure it out, I'll be like Adam saying, well, we're naked, we did. Or I can say, well, that's, you know, here's some facts. But I don't make my decision on facts alone. This is what God says. So these facts must then relate to this in the proper way, not the other way around. Somebody says, man, the facts of this, the, the, the scientific facts just make this Bible foolish. Well, first off, that's a big lie. And second off, they don't know what they're talking about. But never that way. See, the facts were that Abraham couldn't have a child. The facts were that Sarah couldn't have a child. But God said you'd have a child. And for some many years, he was a peculiar man walking around in the desert. That old man, look at him, he thinks he's going to be the father of many. He had to bear that reproach. But he exercised himself. He physically gave his body to fulfilling the Word of God by doing what God said. And there doesn't seem to be, to me, a whole lot of correlation of have, making a baby and walking in the desert. Okay, Adam, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Here's how it's going to happen. You're going to walk around in the desert. Now, what if you had to tell somebody that story? But they said they embraced these promises not having them, but they saw them afar off and they're faith caused them to be a peculiar people that the Bible says, yet dead, they yet speak to us. Exercise now in this body to do some things that your body is going to say. Just like one, let's turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Luke chapter 2. See, if this is not foundational understanding that I have to exercise, that I have to 
practice some things, and then only by that practicing my senses become sharpened to know Him, then we kind of live under this false illusion. Well, I'm just a child of God, see, and I learned some things, and I got some wisdom, and I know... Who told you that? That's not the instruction that you were given. That is erroneous. And we go and we're punished. The Bible says a prudent man doesn't see it. I didn't know. See, now Abraham, uh, not Abraham, Noah, he was a preacher of righteousness for 120 years. Now, nobody else gets saved, but he preached. Man, we were really doing something right. Man, you'll be preaching. Everybody should get saved. Well, I know the best preacher in the whole world. And he would preach to thousands. And most of them wouldn't receive it. Many would leave him. And maybe you know him too. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. We think, oh, if we were, doing, if we were preaching, people get saved. Not always true. Now, I think there's come times that that would happen. But Noah preached for 120 years. Nobody gets saved except his house. But he kept practicing with his body what he should be doing. Now, Luke chapter 2, verse 51. Oh, I'm in the wrong. I was going to say that's not the right thing. Luke's, Luke, this is, this is just me personally. You know, I like, I like the gospel of Mark. Mark, sharp guy, gets right to the point. Chapters are very short. Boom, boom, Jesus did. Straightway, Jesus went, and straightway, he did this. One of the, I think it's the shortest gospel in the deal. Gets through there. Luke, however, is a doctor. And he likes to talk. I mean, if he, I think he writes the book of Acts, too, right? And his first, what is, what is the first few words of the book of Acts? This wonderful Theopolis that I have written, you know. And so I'm looking, chapter 1 goes on and on and on. I never liked reading the book of Luke, because I could never seem to get to the end of it. So... Not that that matters to anything, but this is, this is one of my problems. So Luke here is writing. But in Luke, I also found there's some wonderful things that are no, no place in any of the other Gospels. So sometimes you have to talk a lot to say something. Sometimes you don't. Luke, chapter 2, verse... Oh, let's see where should we start. Well, we know the story, so we don't have to take too much back up. Let's start in verse 48. And when they saw Jesus, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why have you done this to, uh, dealt, dealt with us like this? Behold, thy father and thy mother have been distraught, seeking you for, you know, we've been, I've sought you with sorrows. And Jesus answered, How is it that ye sought me? Should not I be about my father's business? Here is the Spirit of God speaking through the Lord Jesus Christ, the Christos, the Messiah. God now is speaking. His parents were just being normal, good parents, bodily parents. Their son is lost. They find their son after at least three days, probably longer than that because it was three days after they knew he was gone, so they had to go back and find him. They find the son. They're doing the, the normal stuff that a parent would do. They find the son and say, how could you possibly... How could you break your mother's heart like this and just leave us? How could you treat me like this? And Jesus' answer, as the Son of God, says, shouldn't I be about my Father's business? Now, that was the Spirit of God speaking. But I want you to notice what takes place here, because now the temptations of Jesus is while He is here in this body. 
See, sometimes we are act, sometimes we actually have things that may be of God, but they're never able to be brought to maturity because there is no exercising of them. There is no reason of use of them. So they actually die in us and never produce any fruit. But what happens here is a key, and I believe it's a principle, that if we grab hold in your heart, your lives will be changed. Should, we not, should I not be about my father's business? And they understood not what he was saying. And he... Which he spake, he, and they understood not the saying which he spoke unto them. And Jesus went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Jesus knew what he was saying. The Spirit of God that was in Christ knew what he was saying. His parents did not understand what he was saying. But what did Jesus do? He sacrificed his body for the love of the Father. His spirit was not sacrificed, but in this world his body would have to sacrifice. And he was made subject. He subjected himself to his parents. Now, that sounds rather simple. Now, you might have a battle with that. Because sometimes we feel we're called, we're led, we have. But God has a plan for you to, to grow in. The next verse is tremendously important because I think there's a connection I believe if Jesus would not have subjected his body in that place, this next verse would not have taken place. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I believe the Spirit of God is in Christ and he was moving according as God was leading him. But when this happened, then there was a... I don't know the right word, a test, a crossroads, a situation that would come up. And the right thing for him to do was to submit to his parents. And when that took place, when he gave that, his body, a living sacrifice, something began to happen. Now again, I don't believe it was just like, you can't become more God than you are. But Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I believe there was a working as he sacrificed his life, his body, in doing that. Those things that we just read about, his senses became exercised. The dealing with his, those bodily emotions and, and things like that became dealt with. And he became, he grew in wisdom. Now that's what we're talking about, wisdom. Growing in wisdom. But I believe if we do not submit ourselves those areas where God has called us to, we stop growing. We will not see that next verse take place. Well, how come I'm not growing anymore? How come I'm just not discerning anymore? Well, let's look back. Have you stopped studying your language? Have you picked up some other habits? Have you done some things? Have you just been, well, God's leading me to do this. Well, that may be true, but there's a plan that God has for you. You submit yourself to that plan and let God bring it to pass. All right. I just want to lay that now as, 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 as that foundation. The, the, that where Jesus submits himself and he basically he exercises himself to godliness and what begins to happen? He grows in wisdom, grows in stature, and he increases with favor with God and man. Well, see how, again, we look at that and go, man, God loves me just the same if I ever... I, well, yes, that's true, but it says Jesus grew in favor with God and man. 
Now, I don't know how that happens other than what I'm speaking about here today. There was an, while he was in this body, he presented his body, and his body became the vessel on how to glorify God. And what he did with that grew in favor with God and man. Now, Proverbs chapter 27, again, we'll, we're looking at this idea of becoming a prudent man, seeing evil. That has to be exercised. That has to be learned, it has to be taught, and it has to be practiced. Now, Proverbs 20, we're there, and uh, let's turn to Proverbs 7. Let's try to finish this up. Proverbs 8, actually. We're talking about wisdom. Again, this voice is crying out. We have the other strange woman. She's in, she's in hot pursuit. Okay? She's standing on the corner. Come on, come over here. She's got all the stuff. She's advertising. Wisdom isn't doing that. Wisdom stands there and is beckoning. There's something in me that has to be able to say, but I'm not, not really in me, but I hear the Holy Spirit. Just like there had to be something in Jesus that when he was doing the will of God, his mother says, you come home and don't do this again. There's something in him that heard the Spirit of God saying, do that. Even though it was more pleasing for him to do this, he would submit himself and that working would fulfill or perform God's purpose in his life. And we need to be people that start training our ear to hear wisdom. And what I'm saying is, in, for God there is no sacrifice. For God there is no learning. You are complete in Christ, in your spirit. But in this world, you're going to have to discern, divide between your soul and your spirit. And there will be some sacrifice. When I hear those things that seem to be like hard, that's why when... We, you know, children fight with one another, disobedient with their parents. And I'm not just talking about children. In our midst, that's there so you can say, wait a minute, that's not what I should be doing. That's the flesh. Oh, let me love God and sacrifice that and do this. But isn't it easier not to do that? Isn't it easier just to yell, fight, throw a fit, run away from home, eat worms and die, go to another church, think on your neighbor, whatever? But that's not what... Wouldn't it have been easier for Jesus to... But he chose this, and he was in subjection, and God's purpose was done in his life. I believe many times we do not, like Cain, do not choose to hear the word of God. And I don't mean just, oh yeah, well, I've heard it. No, you listened to it, but you didn't hear it. The Bible says, hear wisdom. Oh, I heard that, thank you. I, I, I do that. I follow that. I practice that. And over and over through exercise. Now see, the problem with exercise is, it stops helping you when you stop exercising. See, I used to be in really pretty good shape years ago. used to run miles and miles and miles. Guess what? You couldn't tell that now. And if I wanted to start over, I had to start from zero again. At some, I have to continue to exercise myself. So you can actually lose wisdom. You can actually lose the purpose of God. You can lose what God has given you if you stop exercising. And that's what assimilation does. The world out there has never stops. They're always speaking it. They're always speaking the world. They're speaking this. They're tempting like this. I have to continue to practice. Okay. So now we're here in chapter 8. Wisdom is speaking. Some of the things that wisdom has. Wisdom in verse 14, I believe, is where we left off. Counsel is mine. Sound wisdom, and I am understanding. I have strength. Verse 33. Hear instruction and be wise, and refuse it not. 
Now, there is going to come a great opportunity for exercise. When you hear wisdom, when you hear instruction, now you won't always hear wisdom. Sometimes you will hear, the Bible calls it, instruction. And most of the time when I've ever heard instruction, I always think it's stupid. You stupid teacher, you stupid person, why are you telling me to be stupid? Wait a minute, that's not hearing instruction. See, a stupid person always thinks instruction is stupid. A foolish person never hears wisdom. Always got a better idea. A foolish man proclaims, well, no, I've heard that, but I, I'm doing it my way. No, I've heard that, the church, but I, I like to see it that way. You are a fool, the Bible says. A wise man has learned one thing, or is learning one thing. Do you know what that is? He's learning to hear wisdom. See, well, no, I'm a wise man. I have the mind of Christ. No, you're a fool if you talk like that. I hear wisdom. I don't have wisdom. Wisdom is being given to me, and the, and the thing I need to exercise myself for that. And what does exercise mean? When I hear a stupid idea, exercise means I'm not going to say that stupid. I'm going to be like Mary there. That was a strange saying Jesus said, but I'm going to keep that in my heart. So at the age, at the right time, she had been working with her son, working God, working in her. Came time. Guess who thrust Jesus into his ministry? Well, his mother. She had been working with this and moved on in that. But many times we just, I have just this, ah, just no, no, don't do that. Be very careful to start giving, and that's what the instruction is. Start listening to wisdom. It's usually going to come in a form that you don't know about. It's going to come in some words that you're not used to. It's going to come in a direction you don't want to hear. Now, this idea, let's turn to Psalms, Proverbs, chapter 3. Nope, chapter 1. Counsel is mine, the Bible says. I'm going to get through this, this today. I'm just going to have counsel. See, and again, counsel is something that you do not, it doesn't come to you. You must seek out counsel. And if you're, if you're like me, how many people don't like to bother other people with your problems? Oh, I don't want to bother them. Oh, man, I, I just don't want to, you know, I just, they're too busy. That's not what the Bible says. We are to get counsel. We are to ask for help. We are to press into those things. So Proverbs chapter 1. Chapter 25. Verse 25. Verse 24. Because I have called, see wisdom is calling, and you refused it. Now be careful that you don't refuse those kind of things. See, why would I refuse it? Well, it's just not what I like. Well, man, she doesn't smell like cinnamon. Well, yeah, the world... Man, I don't want to go to Sunday school. I don't want to learn that language. I think I can dress like... No, no, no. Because count, wisdom is crying out. And you choose not to hear it. Where am I? Because I called and you refused it, I stretched out my hand and no man regarded it. Because you have said it not, all my counsel... Here God is saying, let me counsel with you. Let me give you wisdom. No, nope, not going to do that. I would ha and you would have none of my reproof. Now, many times, counsel or instruction comes as a reproof. Instruction means, no, you're doing it wrong. Do it this way. And most of us really don't handle that real well. Now, we need to learn how to handle that. See, because the Holy Spirit now is going to give you counsel and reproof. And if we don't hear it, it's going to be like what it says in, in, in Proverbs 27. You're going to go on, and calamity is going to hit you and then it's going to be too late. So start saying, okay, you know what? 
I have the Spirit of God in me, just like the Lord Jesus Christ. That same Spirit lives in me, that raised Him from the dead lives in me. And I'm going to start exercising myself to hear wisdom. Now, that may mean, no, not, not may mean, it will mean a great change in your life. There used to be a song that we used to sing. There's been a great change since I've been saved. There's been a great change since I've been saved. And we go on. Things that I used to do, I don't do no more. Things that I used to say, I don't say no more. They just sing like that. Well, I think, you know, we're just kind of, and I think as we go on in the Lord, sometimes we just don't like the change. And God is saying, you need to keep changing. So let's be open to hearing instruction and reproof and counsel. Chapter 11 of Proverbs. Chapter 11, verse 14. Now again, the importance of getting counsel. Where no counsel is, the people fail. They fall. Well, man, I just do what I want. I'm led of the Spirit. No, then you're going to fall. You're not going to fulfill God's purpose. So, count, but where there's a multitude of counsel, there's what? Oh, I talked to Joe on the phone. He said it was okay. I think that's good. A what? A multitude of counsel. There's what? Safety. Oh, well, wait a minute. God's speaking. Well, I think I'm old enough to make my own decision. Not, no, that's foolishness. Sure, you're old enough to make your own decision. When you were two, you were old enough to make your own decision. Doesn't mean that doesn't mean you Cain made some of his own decisions. Lots of people make their own decisions. Doesn't mean anything. The monkey makes his own decisions. So what? Oh, my decision is to love God and be a peculiar people. Where no counsel is, the people fall. Multitude of counsel. Hmm. How many people think when you get an idea you, you you really like it's a good idea? How many people like that? Man, I think that's a great idea. Well, that's good. Wait on it. Get some counsel on it. What do you think about this? Jesus had an idea. He was going to go do this. And his mom said, no, you come home and do this. Chapter 12. Multitude of counsel. See, now again, well, we'll look at this. We're not going to get down with this today. 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. When you, man, I just got to talk to them. They just think, I know I'm right. I think we need some, maybe we should start selling some T-shirts here. It has a little arrow on it and says, fool. Man, I most, I mean, and how many times do you hear this from Christians? Well, they're not acting like their father. They're not acting like they love God. They're acting like they've been assimilated by the world. Oh, we know we're right, and I don't have to, and I think I can. You foolish person. I'm not saying that. God's saying that. The fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkens to counsel is wise. You would think, well, a wise man, he knows what to do. I'll tell you what to do. Here's what you do. No, a wise man does this. Brothers, sisters, uh, friends, whatever. I'm thinking about doing this. What's your? Oh, that's a good idea. How would you do that? Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, well, now a wise man may not always appear to be wise. He said, oh, "What do you think? What do you think? What do you?" A wise man hears counsel. The person who doesn't get counsel and doesn't hear counsel is the fool. He's not the smart man. So there's this: a wise man then will attain unto counsel. Okay, we're going to end there because it is getting late and it's hot. Okay, but the way of a fool is right in his own ways, his eyes. But he that hearkens to counsel is wise. Now, again, there's much to be said on this. See, now, now the Bible is speaking to us. But see, how many... Oh, we don't... I, I just don't... Lord? Now, again, I think we, it's easy to get away from things because pretty soon we get to think we know some stuff. But 
Bible says, in a multitude of counsel, there's safety. And where there is no counsel, your ways will, will fall. And a, a wise man will hear counsel. And wisdom is saying, counsel is mine. I want you to get that. See? And now, most of the time that takes what? What is that going to take? Well, sacrifice. It means I'm going to have to spend some time. I'm going to have to value the Word of God above my own idea and say, you know what? I'm thinking about this. Well, what do you think about that? And, I, and, I, and I, I, sometimes I, we, we put other things in, in place of counsel, like a text message. Well, I told him I'm doing this. That's not counsel. A multitude of counsel. And we're going to look at the, the delight of that. But this idea that here we are, in order for us to start discerning us to be a peculiar people and to be a light of the world, something we need to practice and have my mind changed on many, many things so that God's love and purpose can shine through our life. Amen? Amen. We'll finish up on this hopefully uh, next Sunday. Amen. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your, your character in saving us. We pray that, that your purpose and character be formed in our lives. 